because it's always like an either or. It's like either we solve our problems or Joe Biden solves our problems. Let's wait and see what happens. Like, no, even if he can. Man. And so that's what I saw is because this dude's making money through Section 8 housing. We live in that Section 8 housing because and we're thinking we're getting the win. Folks get Section 8 and they think they win. And they're like, bro, I got Section 8. It's free. What you talking about? And then what happens is they stay smaller because they can't necessarily grow, which impacts their community. And so now by not growing to solve our problems, we shrink to get their solutions, which then causes them to shrink their kids, which then causes them to create this perpetuation of us getting smaller and them getting larger. Okay, so hit him with the intro, Raphael. What it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Meganer himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. And today we got a special guest, Raphael Jimerson, aka Big Stamper. What's good, y'all? And welcome to Between Talk the Black Wealth Podcast. What are we talking about today, Raphael? We're talking about black wealth and breaking down these tweets and business, business, business. Business, business, business. business. Yeah. Did you see my, did you see my golf podcast, Raphael? I started to watch it. I, I thought it was pretty good, man. Because Thanks. at first I thought it was like, I was like, oh, he goes to be playing golf, but you were already talking some real stuff in there. It was dope, huh? It was. I so definitely got to watch. Do more of them. You know how many dope people I meet on the on the on the golf course that I could be talking to, getting this content. Come on, man. You got to be steps ahead because a lot of folks they got podcasts. You know what? I'm about to vlog. I'm about to. I got an. I, when we were in in Sacramento, I took a ton of content. We were recording the content, talking to my mom, doing all that stuff. Vlog coming soon, so you're gonna see the Sacramento recap vlog coming. You got to stay steps ahead. Whenever I see a lot of people doing something, I think, what can I do next? Where can I go next? And so that's like the space that I've been seeing. I watch a lot of vlogs. Like, I mean, I don't watch TV, really. I don't watch TV. I don't watch Netflix. I watch YouTube because that's where the most game is. That's where the most value is. It's crazy because it's like, you know, back in the day, you had to be like, man, I, I can't wait till Kevin Hart gets a TV show. It'd be so cool if we had a TV show. Now you got a podcast here on TV. That's great. We got a podcast. You got to still do the podcast, but you also got to think what's next. So I'm doing a combination of, I'm going to still maximize this moment. I know there's a lot of value in the podcast. I'm going to continue to do it. But what else can I add to my arsenal to blow this thing up? So if you didn't check my golf cast, calling it Thai Capital Golf or whatever I called it, yeah, that's just the beginning. Going back out golfing today. Um, and we're going I might, to – I might create more content with myself, but it's better when I play with other people and I can talk to them and interview them. But, yeah, just add them more. You, can only, you can't lose them more. Another thing I'll tell you is I met somebody who – one of the dudes was on stage didn't buy my course. Most people, most people who are impacted by me bought the course. And he was like, we didn't buy the course, but, like, he's been impacted by, like, the other things that I've done. So the social media posts, the YouTube, all that stuff. And so I was like, okay, that's cool. And I've seen other people that I've met in person. It's been something different for them. I even met a dude who sent me a screenshot of him trading. He's like, all I do is watch your uh, – is follow the things you post on Twitter, on Instagram. Like those little infographics, I just follow those, and that's got me where I needed to be. I was like, dang, that's crazy. So that's why the 10X is powerful, man. You never know where you're going to get people. It's not just like, well, I need to get all the Instagram people. No, people are people are people. 
whether they come from TikTok. I, I met a dude in the airport who only knew me from TikTok. Who would have thought? Wow. He didn't do TikTok like that. He only knew me from TikTok. He works in the airport, pushing right to the front of the line. He's like, man, I love your content. I was like, that's crazy. That is crazy. Profound, you want to tell the folks who you are? Three, man. This dude is tall. <laughs> he's really tall. Would you, could you, do you think he's that tall, Raphael? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> and also... He kind of has like a humble demeanor online too, so you wouldn't expect him to be like this, like really tall dude. Yeah. You know? Instagram is interesting. Yeah, I get that quite frequently when people see me. Like, dude, they didn't realize how tall you was. <laughs> Let the people know who you are, Rafael. Yeah, that's of course. My name is Rafael Jimerson, owner of Stamper Mobile Notary. We streamline the process of finding notaries for your signings, uh, and also I am the founder of the Stamping Academy, where I help you use your stamp to make more money. Now, the cool thing about Stamper is he's always been an entrepreneur. So yeah. before all this social media stuff, can you tell us about your journey? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. So but uh, before I got into the to the business, man, I was doing security for about six years. Private security, working in the hospital, working at the like uh, like college football entertainment events. So if you was at a comedy show, you may have seen me. I might have uh, checked your badge and checked you in, right? Uh, working in the mental health facility. And so my last stop, I was working at uh, this food defense uh, spot. Well, it was an almond company, like Blue Diamond Blue Diamond Growers. I don't know if you guys ever heard of them. Uh, they make the almonds. So on my last year, man, I had a brother. It was a brother that, uh, that I was working under. It was a security supervisor. And, man, they placed, They had all these different departments, right, whether it was maintenance, whether it was engineering, whether it was in other, all these other departments. But they placed in their main task on him, even though he got his own team to run, right? So when, they, so when he started to fall a little behind on not on his task for his team, but on their task as well, they started to put his job at risk. So I was like, well, if they doing that to him, it's only a matter of time before they get to me, right? It's only two brothers. I could probably count on, on one hand how many brothers it was in the company, right? So I was like, man, I need to find my exit strategy. So... I figure, all right, let me start with what I know. I want to start a business. I wasn't going to go to school all over again. That was just out. Wasn't going to do that at all. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, let me start a private security company. Maybe I could start with that, start with what I know. I uh, didn't have the necessary capital at the time. So I was like, all right, let me scratch that idea. And so I was trying to figure out, all right, what's what's the next move? I know I could do something. My mom's was a notary. She'd been working for the, go- working for the government for over 20 years. And I knew she was a notary. And I knew at its, at its, at, at its foundation, you just stamping a document. You get paid for it and you go on about your day. Like, all right. So that I'll never forget that that night I was working graveyard. I'm doing some research. I don't know how verified the source was on Google, but when it said notaries can make 50K a year, that's just where my mind was at the time. I mean, at the time I'm making 42. So I'm like, all right, I can make 50K a year. I could be in control of my own time. Ain't got ain't got to deal with this. Sign me up. So that same night, man, I went onto the internet website, uh, pay for the training. Uh, over that over that week, did the six hour training for uh, for over that time frame, but then uh, did the project exam. Found out a couple weeks later, I passed, and man, I, I've been doing this ever since. I ain't look back. That was in uh, twenty seventeen. Twenty seven, man, twenty seventeen. Started your business, and where are you now? Like, how 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 would you say that things have progressed for you now? Man, things have been going really well, man. So, so between that time frame, I was doing a host of other things because the because the notary business wasn't. You know, I wasn't. I would say I would blame me for not being consistent. I'm thinking my mind frame was I'm going into this. I'm thinking I'm gonna be in demand. I'm gonna just start making money right out the gate. But that was like the wrong thing, right? So when I left the job, I wasn't really getting as much business as I thought I would get. So in that in that time frame, I'm driving Uber. I'm doing Lyft. 
I was doing reselling on Amazon, eBay, selling books. What else was I doing, man? Worked in financial services, selling life insurance, just doing a host of all these things. But the one thing that always remained consistent was the notary business. So it wasn't until what I want to say 2020, when interest rates was just like crazy. And my phone was like ringing off the hook more than usual. So I was like, all right, it's Sunday. I'm going to uh, just go on with it. And so I left, uh, I was working with New York Life. I left in, I left in June of last year. And I said, man, I'm going to just start my own thing. And so what ended up happening was I went from just being an independent local notary and then decided to start the agency. But the agency didn't happen by just, it, it, it didn't happen the way I thought it was going to happen because I had the goal to actually uh, venture off into starting an uh, agency, but I didn't really have a plan of action in place. So it wasn't until when my commission was set to expire, I was like, all right, I never made money without my stamp. So I need to figure out, you know, what's the time frame of when I know I'm going to pass this exam, when I'm going to get my new commission to get my stamp coming in. This might be the perfect time for me to just start, you know, connected with these notaries now. So I can already at least have a notary in place in case someone needs a signing. I could just hire one uh, out for, for the signing. Right. So uh, the commission expired that month. I was already connected with notaries on LinkedIn and Facebook. I already had a loan officer that I was doing some signings for already. I just let her know. I was like, hey, my commission is going to expire this week. I won't be able to do any signings for you until my stamp comes in. But I do have a couple of notaries uh, locally who can't handle it for you if you need me to you know, have them fill in there for you. So she's like, cool, no problem. That same week, she's like, hey, I got a refi. I got a refi coming up. Can you help me get a notary for this signing? I was like, yeah, of course. And then the notary that I ended up hiring was a notary that I actually connected with at Starbucks that same week. I said, hey, I got a signing coming up uh, this Friday. Would you be able to handle it for me? And she said, yeah. And so uh, since October of last year, I mean, I've been doing that ever since. That is dope. That is. I hope you guys caught what you just heard, because essentially what he does now is he doesn't actually do the stamping. He brings in the clients and he assigns the stamping. Yep. Right. Yes, sir. That's fire. You don't got to drive anymore. You don't have to like do anything. You don't have to sit through the signing anymore. All you do is bring in the clients. Yeah. Every now and then I still do. So I still do the signings. It used to be where I would just do just the real estate side first, just doing the, if he refinancing, take out a home, make line of credit, purchasing, selling. So I do, I do less of those now, but now I do more of like a, like if folks are setting up their, like their living trust or they need a power of attorney or any like fingerprinting done. I'll either outsource that, but then for those other signings, I'll do those because they only take like 20 to 30 minutes, but I'm not spending an hour or two at a signing anymore like I used to when driving hours on the road to all, to all these appointments. It's like, nah, I just I just pretty much just hired subcontract out for, the, for, the, for those services at this point. So this is super powerful. But one thing, as you were saying this, I was thinking, Rafael, I was like, you know what's fire about us being on the same channel instead of building separate channels? is all the content that I've created throughout the week and going to post, it all goes in the same pot. So now Tweet Talks there with the golf podcast, which is also going to be with the vlog I'm about to upload once I actually get a chance to start uploading my content. It's on the same spot. But, man, you guys better be getting some of these gems because that's the way you want to build a business. He went from being an actual employee to being an employee of his business to now being a boss where he's delegating out tasks. He's making money from other people's effort and labor. This is where you want to be. Does it make sense financially? Because a lot of people, before they take that leap, they're like, I can't do that because let's say I can make 200 bucks for being a notary. Like, and then I, I, I go pay somebody else a hundred bucks. I'm only going to make a hundred bucks. 
Yeah. Like, what's your thought process in regard to that? Because a lot of people there, like, man, two hundred dollars. I need that two hundred dollars. Yeah, but I, I think it's just about the amount of volume that you get in. So if you're not getting a consistent amount of volume, then yeah, it probably won't make sense. You know, but for me, I mean, I have a few uh, relationships with a few attorneys where I mean, they send in us consistent business all the time. So for me, it makes sense where where I could be like, all right, yeah, I may be getting two hundred. I get two hundred for this one signing, but I could potentially pay a note seventy five or one hundred dollars for it and still end up end up cool for the week because I could probably do two thousand, you know, two thousand for the week. Pay a thousand to the notary, and I pocket a thousand for myself. And I mean, that's all profit. The only thing I did was just coordinate the play. The only thing I did was just coordinate the play. So. Like say you want to have the volume, you want to have the volume first. But like I said, if it makes sense for you to outsource here and there, then yeah, do it. Like if you're say, not doing business like this, you're not doing business. Yeah. Like there's a book called uh, the Money Code or one of these books, and it said it's no secret that Jews don't like to work. So what they do is they develop the system, they get other people to work the system. So in Rafael has two VAs that are working with his VAs. I'm interested in what they're doing. Cause you said that they do marketing and I'm like, how are you being is doing your market? I'm really interested in hearing about that. Yeah. But like, that's, that's the play. Everybody, uh, everybody talks about like plays when like, you could just move this here and do this. You know, the play is create a system that generates money and then press go. So you have two VAs, one of them's doing marketing. What's the other one doing? Uh, so one of them, the other, I had one of them, the first one I brought on, I had to just create graphics for me because I was trying to get, uh, trying to figure out the mix of what should I have her do? Should I have her do more admin work? Should I have her do more on the social media side? So I had her doing like just graphics, have her like do like five or 10 graphics a day. And then now I got her actually just doing my admin work because that's stuff that I absolutely don't want to do at all. I hate admin work. Like it's, it's, I'm cool off of it. So right now I just have her just doing the admin and then I got another VA brought on just on the emailing side. So we trying to ramp up the code emailing. So I have her doing that. Uh, and then right now, I'm trying to get the first one that I brought on, like I said, to do the admin work. And I'm in the process of training her so she can actually be the one to post the signings that we have in the Stanford community. And for her to actually reach out to, to reach out to the notaries and hire. Them. Yeah. And so I got a chance to talk to Stamp a little bit. And I think that's why I can ask him a little bit more detailed questions because I'm like, as he was telling me things, I was like, I want to learn more about that. And one of the mm -hmm. cool things that he said when we were asking about um, like how he determines how much they get paid is a lot of times with VAs, especially when you go to these online websites, they quote you their rate. And what he did is he said, this is how much I'm going to pay you. And they took it because, you know, sometimes folks, they want to like punch higher than their weight class and they want to charge higher than their charge class. And they just like, they're looking for that windfall. They're looking for like, man, you know, this person over here going to charge me, blah, blah, blah. But if I can get somebody to pay me extra, then so be it. But what I like about his strategy is he was a price maker, not a price taker. He said, this is how much I'm going to charge. I'm, 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 this is how much I'm going to pay you. Not how much do you want to get paid? Because if you ask someone how much they want to get paid, they're going to be like, a million dollars. I don't get I'm worth a million dollars. I'm priceless. Yeah. I know my worth. So how did you get to that point where you're just like, nah, this is what I'm, this is what I'm paying you. How'd you pick that number? I mean, pretty much, I, I just wanted to just dictate the terms from the beginning. Like, I didn't want to position myself where it was like, because uh, honestly, I didn't know what I was doing initially, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to just learn as I go. So I knew what I wanted to pay the note. I know what I, I knew what I wanted to pay, uh, pay them for like the first one for the month. Right. So if it was like, uh, I want to pay you 150 for the month or 180s. And I just broke that down to how much, how much was that hourly? And then what, well, how many hours did I need that I needed you for? And then pretty much it was like, all right, this is what I need you to do. This is what it pays. Do you accept it? Yes or no? And I was like, yeah, we'll take it. Okay, cool. I'm going to send you over the agreement. Let's get everything signed. And you start Monday and I onboard you and we're going to get this thing started. For some reason, as black business owners, 
I don't know why, but we, put, we kind of put ourselves, I, I do this all the time, put ourselves in like a subservient role where like, we're always the taker of prices. We're always the receiver of terms. And so you do have to be the dictator of terms. Like that's how you create wealth in so many different ways by you dictating things. You dictating how things go, how much you're going to pay somebody. Like what's in your budget? Not in what they're trying to like pay, get, get charged. And if they ain't in the budget, they ain't in the budget. But what's cool is you can essentially fit some labor into your budget. So you probably think that you can't afford uh, people you just got to find the people that you can't afford. And they might not be in America. They might not be in Philippines. They might not come through somebody else's company. So you might not want to use an agency because if you use an agency, they're going to be spreading it on top of that. Like if you go to like a VA agency, like go direct to the VA and they're going to be automating a lot of this stuff anyway. Like low key, they just use all the software programs and they bill you for sometimes they bill you for five, 10 hours for something they just took an hour to do, two hours to do. That's why I fired my VA because I, I got I got hit to the plan. So, you know, all this is great. I know there's a lot of value in here, but you know what people show up to Tweet Talk for, Raphael? Yep, yep. And it's funny because, um, Stam, you had, it's funny that you said what you said, Charles, because Stam had a, a tweet about how um, putting the play together, organized, coordinating the play is a high income skill. It is. Yeah. Touch on that, brother. Yeah. That's, that's fire. Want me to touch on that? I, yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, coordinate. Yeah, I definitely was is a high income skill because I mean, just imagine when I was uh, just a mobile notary. It's I mean, it's a cap. It's a cap on how much I can make, really, because I can't go to Arizona and use my California stamp. I can't go to Oregon and use my California use my California stamp. So I'm limited to the region mm-hmm. within my region, whether it's a couple of counties that I'm serving, right? But because I can coordinate the play, I don't have no jurisdictions on where I can operate. So. I may admit, like I have a day where it may be it may be really dry over in my county. Right. But I got business coming in from Brooklyn. I got business coming in from New Jersey. I got business coming in from Washington. And so I have the opportunity to bring in bring, to make more money by, you know, by touching these different areas because I don't have no boundaries. So, of course, that, when I was thinking about that, I had booked like I had like five appointments. I think that day, I think the day when I tweeted that and it's, it, just, it just hit me because that day I was like, man, I, don't, I haven't booked anything here locally. But because I have relationships in all these other states and notaries in these other states who could fill in these orders, I mean, I made more just from sitting on the couch than I would from driving to spending three or four hours on the road going to these appointments and sitting at the table. I got to go to FedEx. You know, the amount of money I made that day, I was like, hey, it's a high income skill to be able to coordinate the play instead of just driving to these appointments all day. So and that was the inspiration for that tweet. That's a huge, huge bar. Like that is the, that's the goal. Like the goal is not to be all these things and do all these things. It's to sit down and look at how you can put it together, how you can map it out. The book is called Think and Grow Rich. It's not called Stamp and Grow Rich. It's not called Podcast and Grow Rich. It's not called any of these things. It's think. In order for you to put a play together, you got to think. And that's how you grow rich. And in my opinion, richness isn't necessarily like this big pile of money. It's like, bro, like if you can get money for doing nothing, you rich. If you can get money and be somewhere else, in my opinion, you are rich. Like that is fire to me because there's folks out there showing up to these places, working all day, staying there all day and making pennies and you making good money from the couch. Yeah. Like that's what we should all aspire to be all. And, and, and I, I try to explain this to people all the time. 
Like the only reason why I was able to do certain things is because I stopped doing certain things. And so when I stopped doing certain things, it allowed me to double down on other things, which then allowed everything to grow. And so one of the things that you got to stop doing is the work. The yeah. rich don't work for money. The rich think for money. That means you got to stop doing the actual work. You got to think. And, and I think it can sometimes be intimidating for us because, again, we think it's just work the money, then work the money, then work the money. So then we take that same mentality to business and we're like, I got to hustle business, hustle business, hustle business. Like, no, like business is a thinking man's game. Yeah. Business is a thinking man game. It's a form of chess. So you got to start putting the play together, putting the pieces on the board and play to do what you need them to do. And that's why I admire what his business does so much, because there's a lot of people who are in similar, like not in a similar business, but in a, in a spot that he was before where they're like, man, I got to do the taxes. I got to do whatever that might be. And they're not realizing they become a bottleneck on their business. And I tell people, you could bring in 10 times more clients doing eight times worth of marketing than you would spending eight hours servicing your client. That's six-figure business. Six-figure business is when you bring in the business and you do the business. Seven-figure business is when you bring in the business and somebody else does the business. That's the difference between six and seven figures. Who's fulfilling the business? Yeah, yeah, that's a fact. Yeah, it's um, and the cool part about it too is like I've been able to like slash down my printing costs, the amount of money I spend on gas, just because again I can pretty much just subcontract out the assignments. Like I said, I mean I, I used to spend like a couple hundred bucks a month, probably more than that. You know, printing out documents and spending hundreds of dollars on gas to go into these appointments to where. Now, like I said, I may do a couple appointments a week, but, but for the most part, I'm outsourcing everything else. And then all anything they need to do, the notary just check in with me. Just let me know that the assignment has been completed. Okay, great. Send over the invoice. I make sure you get paid in 15 to 30 days. Another thing that I'll say that's important is, and we talked about this on the golf podcast, and I think Raphael's going to mention it, and we'll probably go into deeper detail when he does, is he's going business to business, not business to consumer. So he's going directly to law firms. Yeah. He's not searching the internet for people who want a notary. He's going to the source and saying, I already know you need notaries. So when those people walk in, call me. That's yeah. another very important principle as business owners, which I think we sometimes as African-Americans don't understand as the concept of building a business that serves other businesses. Why? Because those businesses are incentivized to spend money. If you are contacting an attorney, that notary, is a larger part of what they're billing for. Mm-hmm you fit into the piece. So they are spending that money anyway. You go to the consumer, they're like, do I need a notary? Can I find a cheaper notary? Can I do boom, boom, boom? You know, <laughs> going directly to the business is, is a hack. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a super fact. Yeah, because if we, yeah, I get, I, get these, I get these phone calls all the time where <clears throat> it may be someone I need a power of attorney and I'm asking them, how many signatures do you need? I made two, two or three signatures. I give them what quote is like, ah, let me go find somebody else. Uh, I, I'll, I'll give you a call back. I mean, that's cool. I mean, you definitely go. You can definitely go to UPS, you know, go to the bank. You know, but what some folks don't realize is the bank is not going to notarize a power of attorney. They're not going to do any deeds to living trust just for liability reasons. Even UPS, they're not going to do those as well. Right. So, but like I said, working B2B, like I said, they always like I said, where they got clients coming in, they need a medical authorization form. We need that notarized. You send up a living trust for your client. I need that notarized. So 
you know, even when you state your price, it's not something that they even thinking about because at the end of the day, they need this service, right? So definitely go B2B. Like I said, it's, it's, it can be intimidating initially, but, you know, if you actually know what you, what, start, what problem that you're solving and, you know, how you solve that problem, you know, be confident in that as well. You'll start, you'll actually, you'll be surprised at the kind of doors that are open for you. Consumers are some of the worst customers <laughs> and some of the worst investors and partners because they just don't get it, man. Like, yeah. Consumers think different. Employees think different. And that's why we got to break out of that employee mode, that consumer mode, and start thinking boss levels. And we're slowly getting a lot of people there. And I think a large part of that is the Tweet Talk podcast. Yeah, what we got for them, Raphael? Yeah, because yeah, that, B2, that B2B and the B2C is very different because you're doing that you're doing that one, one-to-one, hand-to-hand combat with the regular customers. The B2C, I mean, B2B, you're dealing with a business. They got their own customers. They need... They need that work every month because they consistently selling every week, every day. So they always got marketing for you, right? Hands off. Once you get that one client, that one client is worth like fifty customers on the street. And you mentioned um, relationships, Stan, and Mm -hmm. you had a tweet where you said, "Folks don't understand how hard it is to build relationships in business." It's hard, man. I don't think I don't think folks understand like. Like in particular, you know, when I'm hiring specific notaries for a signing, I'm really big on, you know, being professional, being on time, you know, just communicate with me in general. Right. So I've had instances where I've had a signing where a notary, where a notary missed the entire set of documents. <laughs> right. Like I, I give you one story in particular. So at the time I was doing a lot of my marketing, like my, my focus was marketing like with title companies. Right. Because, you know, you're doing loan closing you know, on the real estate side. And for those on for those specific signings, you need to your attention to detail needs to be on point. It's like no, it's the margin of error is like this slim, like literally this slim, and it's already hard enough to even get those relationships because it's already notaries marketing to these marketing to these title companies every day, right? So I had one relationship in particular with a title company where I, I really had a. It took me a really long time to get a relationship to even get opportunity to get this signing with this company. So I had, they gave me the signing. I had the notary. I sent over all the documents to him. He let me know it was completed. And then I want to say like a couple of days later, the the, the escrow officer reached out to me. She was like, uh, hey, um, I'm missing a set of documents. And these documents that I do have, they're not in order. Can you can you tell us what's going on? I was like, oh, yeah, no problem. So I reached out to the notary. I, I asked him, I was like, hey, um, would you happen to have these documents with you? Because sometimes, you know, when, when notaries are dropping these doc- documents off, they may have left them in their bag by mistake and come to find out the guy didn't even print out the documents. <laughs> didn't even print them out in general, didn't even fill it out. And so luckily for me, luckily for me, I was able to at least re- rectify the situation, was able to meet to actually go back to the signing and get the, the docs completely signed over again. And after that, you know, I just explained just to the client, just to the clients like, Hey, this is my fault. You know, it's not going to happen again. The client, I mean, the notary forgot to print out the documents, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, but just imagine, I mean, she was cool about it, but just imagine though, if there was a, if someone that had a deadline to me where, you know, if we don't get these documents signed, the buyers don't get their keys, the sellers don't uh, get their money, right? And you don't want to be the reason, and you don't want to be the reason why, like I said, the person doesn't get their house, the keys to their house or the reason why the sellers don't get their money, right? So those relationships are very fragile, especially in the beginning, and it could be really difficult, you know? So, uh, yeah, building relationships is really difficult in business. It's not, it's not something I, I take really. I don't take lightly at all. That's why I, I strive to provide the best service possible to stay in constant communication with the client. 
and pretty much just do whatever I can to preserve that relationship. That's cool because you took the responsibility for it and said that's my fault instead of just blaming it on yeah the other guy. Yeah, it's key. Yeah, it's yeah, especially in my in my line of work. Uh, I'm really big. I'm really big on just you know what. I'm not finna because when you play the blame game, then it's like, all right, we we'll see what kind of guy you are. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll pass you this one opportunity, but we ain't gonna reach out to you again. And I'm really and I and for me, it's like the money is cool, you know, but I'm I, I'm a I'm of the belief that the relationship is the real currency. Because if I got the relationship with you, you know, you're gonna continue to feed me business moving forward, especially if I'm doing a great job for you. But if I'm the kind of person where, you know, I, I get one signing for you and it doesn't go the way I expected it. And then you don't pay the, pay me the fee that I think I deserve, and I give you a hard time about it. They're gonna be like, "All right, cool, we'll pay you a fee. We'll never call you again." I was like, "Nah, I want your business. I always want your business moving forward. If I got to take a, a slight L on this signing, it's like, okay, cool, I'll take that because I know the next one is going is going to double back to me anyway, right? So, yeah, the the relationship is the real currency. Like, I need I need all the relationships I can get so I can continue to get that business moving forward." That's like one of the themes of this show. We always talk about like relationships over money. Yeah. And the reason is because like over the long term, the relationship is going to yield you more money than the money that you think you're going to get in that moment. Yeah. And so I think that's powerful because especially when you're going B to B, it is a relationship game. Yeah. Like B to C, less personal. Like, all right, I need to engage with you at, at volume. So I can't have as deep a relationship with that person because there's so many of them that it's kind of tough to go deep on an individual basis. Mm -hmm. You're going to be to be like, you got to foster that. That's why you see like in the beginning when people are trying to establish that relationship, they're bringing them donuts or taking her out to lunch. They're going mm -hmm. to play golf. The relationships, you, they always say million dollar, billion dollar deals done on the golf course. That's because you're making a relationship with the key center of influence. Yeah. You spend four hours with somebody, you're talking about your family, you're talking about your background, you're talking about your goals, what you're doing. You made the relationship. So the deal is not necessarily made on the golf course. The relationship is made on the golf course. The relationship yields you the money. And so we as a and, and this is why we got to stop ruining folks over money, downplaying folks over money, because the person is more valuable than whatever they can do. Like we, we are on we're in an era where women will dismiss you because you don't spend 200 bucks on them on a date. In the beginning of the relationship, you don't even know her. Imagine if people who are married, I guarantee most of the people who are married on this timeline, it didn't start like that. It didn't start like that. But now that woman gets whatever the hell she wants and she lives however the hell she wants. And she's been on multiple, she's been on trips. She's bought and gotten this, gotten that. Because the relationship is more than the money. And so when you meet a girl and she's really down for you, that builds the bond. And that bond yields way more than a $200 meal. Yeah. Folks out here selling out folks for a $200 meal, discounting somebody over a $200 meal because they wouldn't pay for their friends when their friends showed up to a date that wasn't supposed to be for the friend. <laughs> got to recondition our mind, man. The people are more important than that immediately immediate buck. That immediate buck is fleeting. Yeah, that's a wild conversation on Twitter. I've, I've always seen that that conversation down the timeline. It's like, it's like yeah, I, I, I don't understand that. I mean, for me, I'm married, so. Yeah, I, I always when I pay attention to some comments like, "Yeah, man, man, the dating game must suck out there for a lot of y'all." Because they're delusional, man. They ain't doing that. They, they don't even know what they're doing. <laughs> and a lot of it is just a flex for their friends. A lot of it yeah. is just like, my friend had this cool date experience, therefore that's my expectation now. And if you yeah. are giving me a way to flex for my friends, then I don't need you. Right. It's like he could just be like a good person who has good intentions. 
You out here, the dude giving you the expensive date. He hit it, and now he's gone. At least you got a date. Um, <laughs> Raphael, what do you say, man? Then you, you left. Then you left crying. <laughs> but wait, Seth, you you kind of touched on this before, but explain to people that don't understand the mobile notary, like what is the mobile notary business is, and like why. Would somebody call the stamp of notary business and pay them a hundred bucks to notarize a document instead of co- going to the local bank for free? Yeah, that's a great question. No, that's a great question. Uh, the, as a mo- I mean, the notary public, I mean, at its foundation, you, I mean, pretty much you're just, you're just an impartial witness. So you're a professional witness to an official document, right? So if I need a, uh, let's say if I sign a, pi- a, a private business arrangement, like I had, I had a client one time where, uh, he had a buddy of his was going to loan him. Uh, well, he was going to loan his buddy forty thousand. So he and then in exchange for that forty thousand, he was going to give him the rights to his boat. So all right, I need to get this document. I want this to be official. So in case you know you default on my money, I want to be able to have this this document with state that was notarized that this is official, right? So like I said, as a mobile notary, you just you just uh, just an official witness to a document, right? And the reason why you're going to pay a mobile notary as opposed to possibly going to a bank is I give you a great example. I had a client that was in Oregon. She needed to go. She had a son or, or her boyfriend's son who was in jail and his car was impounded. And she needed to go from she needed to drive from Oregon all the way down to Palm Spring to get the guy, the guy's son car out of the impound. So for that. So you're on a deadline, right? You know, cars, you know, if your car is impounded, you know, you're being charged by the day, especially in a tow yard. So by the time you get out there, you know, it's probably going to be a, probably a thousand two before you get that car out. But you don't got you don't have time to sit around and, and go to a bank, you know, to get this notarized, right? You need this, you need this document taken care of like immediately. So by the time you get down to Pond Springs, I got the document notarized. I got everything I need. I can get this car out. Right. Another situation. I may have a loved one that's uh that's bedridden. They may be dealing with the sickness. They may be in a nursing home, right? And I need to have and they need to I need to have someone to be and they need to have someone that's in charge of their financial and medical decisions, where, you know, to be able to pay for that care, right? If I can't get if they can't get out of bed, I'm, I'm really going to force them to get out of bed and go to the bank to get this notarized when I could just pay a notary well, probably a hundred dollars or probably even less than a hundred dollars just for them to come by to the nursing home just to fill out the document, get my right thumbprint in the journal and be on about my day. I wish one makes sense. Right. So that's the reason why you don't call a mobile notary is pretty much for the convenience. So because, again, folks don't want to you know, folks don't want to drive to you like they much rather you come to them. So they can get whatever they need to get handled and go on about their day. So that's why you'll pay for a mobile notary. Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 in side money in one year while working a job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. Todd Consultant presents the Vending Machine Business Webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business, generating thousands per month and how it has unlimited scale to find out more details hit us up on the link in the bio on instagram at partner with millie or on instagram at todd.capital or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash todd capital yeah because i and plus banks don't notarize everything but i i kept seeing people hating and saying like these people out here lying to y'all talking about 
Yeah. We could charge a hundred dollars for this when they <laughs> when people go to the bank for free. They're lying. They're just trying to sell courses. Yeah, you know, you know, it's funny about that comment. That was yeah. I think one of my peers, uh, Jay, posted that. It's like, oh, you can't get away with that, in North Carolina, or you can't do this in such and such states. Now, granted, there are some states out there where here in California, uh, we can. There's no cap on what we can charge for a travel fee. I can charge a hundred dollars to travel to you if I wanted to. Is that ethical? No, I'm not going to charge a hundred dollars to actually travel to you. But I can. But I can't. I can do that though, right? But if I was in uh, Maryland or Nevada, I can only charge you. Uh, uh, I think I can only charge like a certain percentage per mile, right? So, so for those notaries out there that's in those states where they can't, where it's a cap on their travel fee, yeah, they're going to feel some type of way. They're going to be like, oh, no, I can't do that. But what they fail to realize is, you know, if you, again, like I was talking about earlier, if you were to shift your focus to B2B attorneys, loan code, uh, the title companies, they typically pay flat rates. So if I'm getting paid, so audit, so if I'm working with a B2B and I know that a flat rate is 150 up to $200 per signing, I'm not worrying about my travel fee because I know I'm getting paid a flat rate every single time, right? And so, again, those people, you know, some of them, they've been in the business for a while, but, you know, they're not willing to, you know, take the training, whether it's going into Stampin' Academy, whether it's going to the notary business school to actually learn the game so they actually can actually charge what they work, right? But they would much rather go on Twitter, you know, argue with somebody that actually does the business and actually gets paid handsomely for the type of service that we provide, you know, instead of debating, you know, they must, you know, Oh no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I don't have the time to be debating with people back and forth about what I can charge. You know, because I actually do this. Like I do this every day, and I know people that actually do this. And even in those states where it's a limit on your travel fee, I know some that do really well for themselves is because they focus more on the B two B side as opposed to just you know just to as opposed to the business to consumer. So what's the gem from that? Because what I take from that is everybody got an opinion, man. Everybody can yeah. tell you what you can't do and what's not possible. Yeah, they're going to try. Yeah. And one of the worst things you could do is listen to them. Facts. Especially Facts. since yeah. people are already doing it. They say you can't do this, but people are already doing it. Yeah, that's that's why I don't understand. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I don't understand how you could fix your list and say, no, you can't do that. Well, how would you know if you've never done it? But, you know, those same people actually double back and DM you and ask you, how do you do it? <laughs> that's the funny part. <laughs> like, they say, no, nah, you can't do that. You can't travel. You can't charge this for a travel fee. You can't get away from this with, uh, in this state. And then we have somebody actually break it down to you as, why, as to how you can actually do this. You know, those same people will DM you and ask you, man, wh what can I do to do that? What can I do to get into that space? Hey, market B2B. I always tell people all the time, like, yo, market to the attorneys. Like, yeah, with, on the real estate side, yeah, it could be, you know, up and down, you know, as far as the market goes. But attorneys, they always need documents notarized. They always need documents notarized at the end of the day. So if you connect with them, like you, you like you, you will continue. You will get good business, but you just got to see it through. Poor people, especially in the word can't, mm. but it's very difficult to be somebody that puts the play together. It's easy to find the ways it can't work. There's a million ways it can't work. But the difficult thing is finding that one way that it can work. And that is why. It's called Think and Grow Rich. Again, because you got to think of the ways that it can work. And then also why it's a high income skill, because you found a way to do something that most people think you can't do. Yeah. And so let them let them keep their can'ts because that keeps you protected. That yeah. keeps your business protected. When people start thinking like, oh, it's impossible. It's too hard. It's this is that. All right, cool. Keep your limitations. If you argue for your limitations, you get to keep them. They can keep them, but you don't have to. And this is not just relevant to Stan. This is relevant to anybody who's doing anything in business where it's folks showing up that you can't do it. One of the things I remember when I first started my necktie company and we had this old, 
like my mom had gotten this like sewing machine from my grandma, this old sewing machine from my grandma. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to use that sewing machine and learn how to make some neckties because I was making my necktie company. And I was like, if I knew how to make neckties, I could do anything. I could pick any design. I could create new designs. I could do a lot of really dope stuff. And my stepdad was like, you can't do that with that sewing machine. And so I was like, all right, you might be right. So I, I structured my business a lot different and ended up getting out of the business. And I was like, you know, I'm going to never let nobody tell me what I can't do. I'm going to never let anybody tell me what I can't do because two things. My grandma's sewing machine is still sitting there collecting dust. But imagine if that old sewing machine that was sitting there was used to then start a business that was like built the, the family legacy. Like that would have been so crazy. But we don't get that story because we get the can'ts. How many stories are we not being able to like brag about because we're telling people what they can't do with what they already have? You think you got to get some mother effing funding. You got to go out there and I got to get business credit. People who think they need to get business credit are probably because they're surrounded by a bunch of folks who tell them what they can't do. You can't. You don't got the money. You can't do that. They're like, well, maybe if I just get $50,000 in debt, then I can't. No, you need to do what you can with what you got. <laughs> and any entrepreneur that is successful on this timeline is somebody who did what they had to do with what they had. Yeah. Yeah, that so, G-Wagon talk is funny. <laughs> oh, you know what you say here? It's a G-Wagon, not a free wagon. Now, Charles, you had uh, put these two tweets together that you, you put out. You said, clients are better than co-workers. The connections you Man. make with clients would take your business higher. Co-workers would just keep you in an employee mode. Yeah, clients are better than co-workers, and clients are almost better than your friends as well. Um, we were golfing, and um, Dan brought out one of his clients. He was a brother, and this brother, is um, he does real estate. And we had a great conversation, learned a lot, made a pretty cool bond. And it was his client. But the thing is, is when you get clients, they tend to kind of lock in with what you do for a living. Whereas your friends, they lock in on maybe the social aspect of your life. And then what you do for a living is kind of like, ah, all right, that's cool. It's like, whatever. We just talk about that to kind of like get back to talking about bullshit. When you have clients, our relationship is based off of what really matters. And once you get to a certain age, what really matters is business. Business makes everything possible. Your career makes everything possible. And so I found that your clients are going to have a relationship that's going to be more beneficial to you and your family than your friends. So much so that you might need to cut off your friends because your friends going to have you out here doing brunch that's not a productive brunch. Your friends going to have you out here buying sections. Ain't no value in those sections. Your clients are going to take you to the next level. And the same thing is true with your coworkers. Like coworkers, they just be BSing. They leave work. They want to stop working, so they go to get drinks after work. There's no productivity. There's no planning. I've tried to do ventures with people that I've worked with and never worked. I was like, man, we're going to start a firm. Hey, we're going to do this. Nothing ever panned out because there's still 100% employee mindset. And so a lot of times we like they, there's a tweet and it said like a client will become your friend faster than your friend will become a client. Mm -hmm. And so that relationship is it's just more beneficial. And so I'm finding that I would rather be friends and socialize with people that I can make money with where we're both making money. And that's the beauty of it is another thing is with a client, especially, especially when you go B2B, you have this system where like, as you get paid, they get paid. And you touched on this yesterday. So they're more likely to want to like, the more you guys socialize, the more that relationship builds. Now you're making more money. All this stuff goes hand in hand. So you're building relationships based off of money, not necessarily based off of money, but based off of like, providing value to each other as opposed to just social. So do you need friends? Absolutely. But don't 
like and you know like sometimes when you have like uh work friends like the relationship never goes past that that desk like you never talk to them afterwards like the most productive time is outside the job not on the job if you have a job and so now we're not even really being productive outside of the job we're just kind of like working to get to the paycheck and i've also seen situations where you have these great friends when you're working and then let's say like either you leave or they leave and like nothing ever comes of it. Like you never really are like the same thing. So like this person you talk to every single day when you're working, when you leave the job, you never talk to them again like that. It's like that was kind of a waste. Like I didn't even get any true value right. out of that. So that was just the tweet and the thought. And then Dan, he liked it because it's true. Like though people that he brings out, it's a dope relationship, but it also is going to make everybody a bunch of money. So I want the friendships is going to make me a bunch of money. It's like they said, if your circle is not discussing stocks, real estate, crypto, all that stuff, you need a new circle. And the circle might be your clients. Yeah, that, yeah, I think that's a really mm. dope tweet. Um, yeah, man, I've had the opportunity to, uh, like even notaries that I've hired for uh, for my signings. I mean, we've even turned that mm-hmm. into like, like with uh, like for Tierra, for example. I hired her for a signing. Yeah, I got connected with her. I want to say probably at the top of the year for a signing. But that ended up we ended up connected on a, on a different level. She ended up uh, buying one of my courses. Buying one of the courses ended up turning to we could we doing podcasts with each other, right? And then we got other different bitches going on. So I could definitely relate with you as far as you know my friends. They don't do what I do, right? So our conversations is mostly about oh when we when we get together to go to the bar when we gonna go hoop it up a bit, but. You know, but mm-hmm. other notice I've done business with, it's more about like, oh, look, what's, when's the next signing coming up? All right, what podcast can we do? What kind of project or venture can we put together and put out, right? So, yeah, I can definitely relate. And clients will put food on your kid's table. Facts. Feed your fan. So, that brings it all to this tweet that you had, Charles. You said, golfing is expensive, but so is going out to the club and getting sections every week. Yeah, we frozen. I think he, uh, I can barely hear it. I, don't, I think he muted. My bad. I don't know why I was muted. Um, so what I was going to say is that, um, I got him on a Friday night after playing around the golf and this is also after I played golf on Thursday and I was like, man, golfing is expensive. And I pull up my Instagram and I see somebody going out, getting dinner, getting drinks, keep clicking, somebody going out, getting dinner, getting drinks. I was like, they spend the same amount of money I'm spending. I'm just doing something that I enjoy doing that edifies me, that puts me around people who are doing dope things. I play golf with nothing but old folks, man. It'd be me and some old folks. And the young folks that I do play golf with are usually people who come from great families. And so it's just interesting to experience that. Um, like, it's really no difference. It's just priorities. It's priorities. And that's what it boils down to. I need to see what my son is doing. <laughs> that's dope. Yeah, I've been seeing him. Yeah, he, he I call him Billy Woods, man, because he's getting this golf on for sure, man. <laughs> golf ball for sure, man. It's funny because my uncle, man, my uncle been playing golf for man, hella years, man. And I've never thought to just, you know, I've been trying to get them get around out there with him. I just ain't had to haven't made the time to actually do it, but that's what the attorneys have, Stan. You gotta be on the golf course. You gotta be sponsoring these golf tournaments, man. That, yes, I mm. so that's something I need to be doing there, man. Cause yeah, you because know, my uncle, man, he be cutting my hair. He was and, he, and I and I think you brought this up earlier as well, up as well. He was like, Yeah, man, that's where the deals are at is on the on the golf course. On the on the golf course. I was like, nah, maybe something I need to get into, man. Cause we got a couple of uh spots out here on the golf course. I just ain't did it because I mean, I, I'm a hooper, man. So I've been you know, I've been playing ball all my life. So you know, when it talks when you come to golf, it's like uh that's not my speed, but you know, you know, but maybe something I need to uh, actually get into, man. 
Cause you make it look cool. I ain't gonna lie. You make golf look really cool, man. You <laughs> one of the few brothers that I've seen that make it look like, hey, man, that's something I need. Man, one looking, looking to, man. A lot of sure. people have been saying that Xavier, Xavier's tapped in on the golf game. <coughs> oh yeah. Um, I saw Henry Washington. He told he posted a golf video. Mm. You know, it's lit. Man, you could be fly while you golfing. You can, if you just choose to drink, you can drink while you golfing. You can smoke cigars while you golfing. It's really a real man thing to do. Yeah. And you know what? Also, I think it's getting me in shape a little bit, y'all. I was yeah. looking at some things. I was like, you know, I'm kind of slimming down. I'm getting darker, yeah. but I'm slimming down. But you know what? One thing I'll tell you guys about getting darker is when you're not constantly trying to fit into a white space, you don't care that you're getting darker. Yeah. I'm getting dark. I don't mm. give a F because I don't feel like I got to white. I got to make myself whiter to be accepted. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, I'm getting darker for sure. Like, you could like it or you could love it. I don't care. It don't make me no difference. I'm not over here like, oh, I'm getting too dark and my boss is light skinned and white, white. Like, you know, because your boss might be white. In corporate America, you know what's interesting? Can I tell you guys? I have this thought a lot. How, like, if you look at like history, a lot of like the first blacks were like the black folks who were just passing as white. And so it's like, we always celebrate like, oh, this is the first black person to do this. And you look at the picture, I was like, I didn't know he was black. Yeah. Damn near white. <laughs> I was like, is that really a black accomplishment, or is that just like a hybrid accomplishment? And I'm not yeah. saying that to be like bad. I'm just, I just, I think about that sometimes because it's like, is it really an accomplishment that that happened, and is it repeatable? Because a lot of those accomplishments are just like the first black person to get access to a white space, the first black person to do whatever, instead of like the first black person to build something for black folks. And when you build something for black folks, you tend to be black. Yeah. But if you like, so our company, we gotta, we gotta be careful what they dictate as an accomplishment. Like is an accomplishment the fact that I got into the MLB or is an accomplishment the fact that I built the ML, the, the Negro leagues. And they'll make you think right. that access to their spaces is an accomplishment when the, the, the building of your own league is the better accomplishment, in my opinion, for long lasting wealth. And so we've been sold this dream that like in order for us to accomplish things, we have to get access to their spaces. And so now we're constantly seeking access, constantly seeking validation, not realizing that like we're we're diminishing ourselves the more that we do that. And so independence is key. That's one of the things you talked about. Like it's not just about wealth, it's about independence. Um, a lot of gyms were dropped yesterday. Like speaking of like on the golf game, like uh like from a mental aspect, is it like on that same level of like like chess in a sense? To a certain extent, yeah. I would say so. Um you got a certain shot set up different shots, certain courses played differently. Um it's 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 part thinking, but it also is part like skill. There's a lot of elements to a golf swing that I'm still tweaking. And with golf, for the most part, like with your irons and with your wedges and with your putter, it's it's easy, but Man, getting your golf swing dialed in for that driver. Most people don't hit the driver because the driver is a very difficult shot to hit. So if y'all see me post a video and the driver goes straight, y'all don't appreciate how difficult that is to accomplish. Getting a straight driver is hard, and you won't appreciate it until you go out there and you try it. Um, Eddie went out there, and he went golfing with us. And he's new, so he's still working on it. But, like, you can see how far you've come. And so even, like, I'm not where I really want to be, but I've come so far. The first time we went out and played golf, I couldn't even get the ball airborne. We were just like hitting it. It was just like skirting down the road. So now the fact that I can get the ball airborne, landed on the green, like these are all accomplishments. But what I like about it is it's something that you can start when you're not athletic basketball, football age, but you're still deemed young and you can improve at it. So now we're all over the hill for basketball. We go out there. We ain't doing nothing. We can't play tackle football. But like at this age, you're like, 
at you're you're not even at your prime yet. You're not even at your prime. And so it's something that like you can play lifelong, but starting at like 35, 36, you hit 45 and you out there crushing it, you still kind of young. I see folks out there who are 60, 70. I played golf with a guy who was 72 the other day and he looked great. And it's probably because he golfs. It's probably because he's out there active. I know people who are 10 years younger who don't look as good because they don't actually do things that are like causing their body to exert effort and exercise and be out there in the elements and walking and getting up and down. And so your body kind of becomes like it, it diminishes by the lack of activity. Cool. So Stan, you gotta, you gotta get in there. You gotta pay for some lessons. I wanted to ask you, Charles, you say you you started taking lessons recently, right? And what have you learned, man? Say it again. Beyond you, you started taking some lessons. You really putting some money into improving your game. A lot of lately. money lately. And you taking lessons? Yeah. So what I did is uh, I did a few things, man. So um, I needed to get some new golf clubs. I wanted to get some new golf clubs. And so what I did is, in order to get golf clubs, you have to get fitted. You can't just, like, you're not recommended, especially when you're spending that kind of money on golf clubs, to just go buy them off the rack. When you buy them off the rack, they're just, like, a standard size that everybody can can use. But for taller people or for shorter people, you need to get that club fit to you. And so what they're going to do is they're going to fit it for the length and they're going to fit it for the lie. And so where the golf where the golf club hits the ground, they're going to fit that. So they're just going to move it up or move it down. And so when I did that, I had to go to this fitting appointment and on the fitting appointment, you're like swinging. He's looking at your swings. He's looking at all these different things. And then after that, I was like, do you guys do lessons here? He's like, yeah, we do lessons here. So you show me the whole lesson thing and it's super dope. They got cameras on the side of you, cameras behind you. It's on this virtual golf course. so They can track everything. They're looking at data for everything. Club speed, ball speed, club angle, attack angle. They diagnose it down to a science. And so I was like, cool. And then my mom, what she did is she bought me a golf swing analysis from a company called Golf Tech. And so I went to Golf Tech. And there they take it even deeper. Now, what they do is they use like radar. And so they follow all your joints, your knee, your arm, all this stuff. And they use it and they create these mathematical formulas. So they show everything. They're showing like how far you lean forward, how far you lean backward, how like tight your 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 rotation is. And so I did that and they do a lesson package as well. And so Golf Galaxy, their lesson package is kind of more affordable. It makes more sense. And so I'm going to start there. I already have my first lesson going back to my next lesson this Thursday. And then after I do my 10 lessons with Golf Galaxy, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to Golf Tech and I'm going to do their program because they're a little bit more advanced. So I'm going to get everything I need to get out of Golf Galaxy. And I'm going to get everything I need to get out of Golf Tech. And then I did order my new irons. Those new irons cost $1,200. Um, not cheap, but they're great clubs. And um, looking forward to it, man. Golfing is an expensive sport. So is traveling. So is taking trips. I know folks who spend $1,200 on a flight to go to Tulum. So $1,200 for some golf clubs, flight for Tulum, you know. But we're still going to be taking a trip. We're going to Hawaii for my wife's birthday in September. So that should be fun. Um, but, yeah, that's what I've been doing, investing in my craft. You know, try to go pro? Um, you know, interestingly enough, there's this thing called the PGA. And so what you can do is if you get your score low enough and you become good enough, you can become PGA certified. So you don't necessarily compete on tour, but what you do is you can compete in like local tournaments and you can also like qualify to teach this stuff um, if you decide to go that route. So I, I do kind of want to go like towards PGA levels. You don't have to be like a scratch golfer or like be a golfer that shoots consistently under par. 
really in order to go pro, your score has to be like between like I think zero and six strokes above par. So that's what it takes. And so if I can get there, yeah, I would like to do that. I don't know if I'm not going to be competing on tour or anything like that, but I can at least aspire to be certified through the PGA. That's dope, bro. Which is common. It's more common than you think. It's more common than you think. I was also thinking about getting a part-time job on a golf course. I can be around it more. So if you if you get like a part-time job on a golf course, what happens is it's like six hours a week. And you just spend time on the golf course. I'm at a golf course anyway. And so that'd be cool. I get to meet more people. I get to talk to more people. And um, then you get access to the range for free. You can play golf for free whenever you want. And you can take people out with you. So you can play as many rounds as you want per week. And that's why a lot of people do it is so they can get the free golf. And so I was telling my mom, like, I think I want to get a job at a golf course. And she was like, you don't need a job at a golf course because blah, blah, blah. Sometimes your moms can derail your pants too, y'all, even if she's a dope mom. So I was like, you just got to do it. And so it sounds crazy. It really sounds crazy. But think about it. I'm going to spend six hours in a golf cart. I can do business in the golf cart anyway. You can literally be on your phone, doing what you got to do, checking in people, talking into people. I'm getting a job at a golf course, y'all. You work to earn, to learn. I'm not going there for money. I'm going there for access. Unlimited access to a golf course, man. Yes. Infiltration yeah. at its finest. <laughs> and Stem, you had a uh, you had a tweet where you said notaries leave money on the table by not investing in training. Yeah, man. Oh man, that's a bar. Yeah, a lot of notaries leave money on the table. Uh, so typically, how it goes, uh, you go through the process. Um, you go through the training, you know your laws, everything, you pass the exam, you get your stamp, uh, you get your commission, you take the oath, and then after that, it's like, all right, what's next, right? And, and like I said, there's a lot of training programs uh, out here available for you so you can actually know how to actually uh, do these documents. And what will happen is a lot of notaries, what they'll do, they get all that stuff, you know, sign up with these signing services for notary directories, and they won't do no training. Like, they won't do any mock training, they won't uh, reach out to anyone to say, hey, I would like to get some pointers on how to do the specific signing. Could you help me out? Like, they don't do none of that. Like, they'll just sign up. They'll wait for a signing to come in, right? And then when the signing does come, you know, when they do get a signing, they'll actually go to the signing table. They don't know how to, they don't know how to fill out the documents. They don't know how to explain the purpose of the documents. They don't know where to fill it out at. They don't know how to actually, where to uh, actually have the signers fill out the documents. So and what happens after that is when they go to the signing, then we got then they then they're in a situation to where they have the client reaching out to them. It's like, hey, um, these documents were rejected because you didn't place your stamp in a specific area. Um, you didn't have me initial here in a specific spot on the power of attorney. And now I can't get my money out the bank because you did this wrong. Right. And now I want my money back. So I've been in situations like that. Right. So you can leave a lot of money on the table by not just investing in, in the training itself. So you can actually know what the hell you're doing. Right. So. Yeah, that's that's what the uh, that's that's what inspired the tweet. I had did a podcast with uh, my uh, the good brother uh, Robert Morris, uh, the notary guy. We was having a conversation about that just uh, on the real estate side. So yeah, investing in training is like it's really worth it. I always recommend like if you're gonna do on the real estate side, I recommend that you at least do like five mock signings first. So yeah, at least have an idea of what to do when you get to the signing table and actually how to articulate the documents as opposed to just yellowing it, just guessing, you know, just hoping for the best. Like I said, it's really like, I mean, uh, first impressions is really everything because, you know, you want to I want to be able to use you again because it's really hard to find good notaries for signings. Like it's really difficult. Like it's really difficult to find notaries to actually know what they're doing. So if I hire you for a signing and you don't know what the hell you're doing, you know, I can't lose the client relationship based on you not willing to invest in your invest in yourself for the training and you not knowing what you what you're supposed to do at the end of the day. So. I much rather go to someone who was willing to put them invest some money in themselves for the training so they were prepared for that moment 
I suppose it's money to say, well, I'm just here. I got my commission. I'm gonna just sign these documents. I get paid and I'm on about I'm going on about my day. So take the time, invest the training, whether it's even if you don't want to do any, do any paid training, go on YouTube, spend an hour or two, just know how to fill out the documents itself so you know what you're doing once you once you get to the signing table. I think that goes for a lot of different stuff too. Like people trying to uh build these businesses just but the seat of their pants. Yeah. Yeah, it don't work Instead, like that. Instead of yeah, but spending $197 for the options course so you know what you're doing right. or what have you, just trying to figure yourself out. I don't need Charles. I'll figure it out myself. $5,000 <laughs> in the <laughs> hole. <laughs> and don't know what they're doing. It's like, nah, I, I, like I said, like first impressions are everything within business. So if it's like, a, uh, like I said, if it's like my first time getting this signing and they're trusting me to, you know, do everything the right way, I want to do it the way it's supposed to be done because I want to continue to earn their business moving forward. Like it goes back to, like I said, the, you know, like the relationship is the real currency, like the money, that's like a byproduct, right? But I want the relationship because if I got the relationship and you trust me, right? And you trust, and you trust that, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do follow the instructions. I'm going to do everything to the T. You know, when the next time, the next time around when you hire me for a signing, you ain't going to have no second thoughts about it. Cause you know, you know what you, 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 you know, you know what to expect when you're working with me. Right. But as you know, I, I've, I've done the training. Um, I've done, I've had so many transactions. I've done, had so many situations when I've been at the signing table, I know what I'm doing, you know, as opposed to someone who ain't done this before and they're not willing to, you know, reach out to someone that actually done it before, right? So, yeah, you leave a lot of money on the table by not just investing in training or just asking questions in general. Now, this next tweet you had sounded like it came straight from Charles. It said the cost of not having products and services is too high. Ooh, yeah, yeah, I think I did take that from Charles. I had to, I had to, I had to borrow his bars. I had to borrow his bars real quick. But no, that's a fact. Uh, coming into this, I want to say what. Well, Actually, before coming into the mastermind, like I had some services, like I was I was pretty much one dimensional, really. I just did real estate. I just did the loan closing side. And then, like I said, when we came into the mastermind, you know, when he, when he pushed us, you know, to put out that one dollar digital product. And I think I told him about this yesterday. You know, and I was thinking about it, all the the product since since that time, all the uh, the courses or products that I put out. And it's the multiple ways I've been able to generate revenue just from putting those things out. It just made me think like, man, how much money did I leave on the table by not? You know, promoting or creating products and things and things of that nature before I got to this point, right? So that's that's what I think that's what inspired that tweet. Just you know, just looking back at my catalog of things that I put out, you know, services that I do have, and you know, what was the cost, you know, the opportunity cost, right, for me not putting these things out and what what kind of money, I, the, the amount of money I left on the table. Products, man, man. I was watching. Um, what was I watching? What was I watching? What was I watching? I was watching that Kanye West interview. And um, he was uh, being interviewed by Breakfast Club. And see, the guy was like, man, you're always talking about money. Why are you talking about money? And Kanye was like, because you need product. And I was like, I was trying to tag Rafael on that post. I was like, it's, it's, it's so funny that he said that. You did. Like, oh, I did. Yeah, a lot of this, like, I, saw it. I was talking to this brother at the event yesterday. And um, I want to say that the, the conversation always, we always start thinking it's like you invest your way to riches. We think we all, for some reason, there's a misconception that you think that the, since rich people invest, that you invest to get rich when that's not the case. It's not the case. You would think it's the case, but it's not the case. The case is you build a business, but the thing is for the business, it's not just the building of a business is that you have to sell things, but it's not just that you sell things. It's that you add value. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's important that what you do adds value. And this is kind of one of the things I wanted to talk about when I got on stage. I didn't really, it, I was talking about different things, but like the reason why we won is because we give more value than we charge in cost. And so a lot of people are like mm-hmm. high ticket, high ticket, high ticket, because they're thinking about them. They're thinking about how much money they can make. Stop thinking about how much money you can make and start thinking about how much money your client can make. How much money can my client make? That's where you start. The client making money, the client getting it done faster and easier, the client have a better experience and then work backwards and then work backwards. Because if you can add so much value to your client that them paying you money makes too much sense. Now you just got to multiply that. Now you got a bunch of money coming in because you should be doing this in a way that makes profit for you. This is why I like digital products because digital products is a built in profit. So now you do that at scale. Now you make so much money that your living expenses are taken care of. Now you have an excess. Now you invest that excess. Now you create wealth. And so you create the business, the business gives you money to invest, the investing creates the wealth, and therefore you become rich. But a lot of us are trying to just skip right to rich. A lot of us are just trying to skip right to like investing. It's kind of like if people think that like if a dog wears a collar, that makes it a dog. Like, no, it wears a collar because it is a dog. So you can't just go put a collar on and be a dog. But that's what we do with investing. We're like, I'm, I'm an investor. I'm an investor. Like, no, you broke. You ain't an investor. You need to start a business. <laughs> And a business is going to require a lot of work on the upside. But then you start thinking, you start putting systems in place. And now it seems like you're almost cheating almost when you're making money. So it's like whatever that might look like, create the business, create the systems. The systems create you the money. The money allows you to be an investor. But it all starts with products. And the products have to be value driven, have to be value driven, always value driven. Yeah, man. Now, Charles, you talked about this plenty of time before but you had a tweet you said if you let them solve your problems you stay poor and they buy seven hundred thousand dollar vehicles yeah i was um man it was crazy i was on tiktok and i saw this dude looking at like these models and it it was kind of weird how it looked it was like a model of a car but it wasn't really a car and essentially what it is is like when you buy a rolls royce and it's custom they show you the entire layout so they're going to show you know Usually a Rolls Royce is like a two-tone. So like the sides would be silver and the top would be white. But the top would be silver and the sides would be white. And so he was looking at that and he's like, yeah, about to order this custom Rolls Royce, most expensive Rolls Royce ever, $700,000. He's like, but I'm not worried about that. The note's going to be $7,000 a month, which is one of the things that I tell people to look at. Don't look at the cost of the item. Look at the, the cost per month and then look at the capsule. You have to cover the cost. And that's what he did. Is His next statement was, I'm not worried about the cost of this at $7,000 a month, even though it's a $700,000 vehicle because he has Section 8 rentals. And I was like, who usually rents Section 8 rentals? African-American people. And so it's something that, it was like an illustration of what I'm talking about the entire time, is you allow people to solve your problems, they get rich and you stay poor. If you solve your problems, you get rich and your community grows richer. And so we need to focus on being the problem solvers, not the solution takers or the solution beggars. And a lot of times we're very good at identifying the problem. A lot of times we're very good at advertising a problem, putting a problem on a poster, putting a problem on a ballot, putting our problems on to Joe Biden. I don't want Joe Biden to solve my problems, even if he could. Even if Joe Biden can solve your problems, I don't want him to. Why? I want to solve that problem because I solve the problem. I get the bread. If I figure out how to get student loans out of here, I get the bread. That's what the girl did. Student loan doctor did. She figured out how to get student loans out of the way for folks. She gets rich. Even if they can solve your problems, you don't want their solution. Why do you think China doesn't want American products in their country? China will sell their products to our country, but they don't allow our software, our companies to function theirs. That is how they get richer and we get poorer because they take 
we get their solutions. They don't take their solutions. They want to solve them for themselves. And so like, if that is anything, that's probably the most insightful thing I've ever thought about. It's like, even if they can, don't let them, even if they can give you affordable housing, don't let them build your own affordable housing. We don't want your solution. We got it. We don't want your help. We got it. I got it over here because at the core of a business is a problem that has been solved. Your business is successful because you solve problems. My business is successful because I solve problems. People with small money want to make large money. Most people have small money. They don't know how they're going to make money in the stock market. Here are stock options that allow you to amplify your small money into larger money. So you don't have to wait until you get $10,000, $20,000, $100,000 to invest in the stock market. You can take advantage of that same stock market now. Is the risk associated with it? Yes. But is the payoff there potentially? Absolutely. And so that was just insightful. I never thought about it like that. Because we sit around and we vote these politicians in and they still don't do anything for you. Joe Biden has done more for Ukraine than for black people. And quite honestly, if we keep it at 100, when Barack Obama was in the office, it was a similar concept. We got him into office. We celebrated him getting into office. And eight years later, nothing ever improved. More improved for black folks under Trump. Everything that you're seeing right now, this is all new. Yep. This whole conversation around group economics working together, that came from Trump. Why? Because we had to figure out how to solve our own problems because we thought we didn't have an ally in the office because that's what it was marketed to us. Although yeah. he did do a lot of things for black folks. That's not going to be shown or disclosed. But the real gem here is solve your own problems. Be your own boss be the best because for you going off and doing it on your own, you're so much further ahead than if you would have stayed at that job, hoping that they promote you, that they put you up, that they put you in position. And that's why I was talking to my mom about this. Cause we were like, my birthday's coming up. And I was like, I got to go to the doctor. I was showing up like this little mark that I have on my leg. I don't know where it came from. She's like, you need to go to the doctor. And I was like, you know what? I am going to go to the doctor. But I was like, it's crazy because this is the first time in my life that I've really ever had good insurance on purpose. And it's because I'm paying for it out of pocket through my business. And so I was like, I can't show up to this event and not wear the brand. The brand keeping me healthy. The brand yeah. doing everything. So Ralph Lauren ain't making the making me healthy. Ralph Lauren yeah. ain't doing any of the things for me. So if I'm showing up to a business event, you're going to know that this is my business and this is what I do. And I don't care if it's on a T-shirt. I don't care what it looks like. I need to make sure I'm showing up for my brand first. And so I thought that was just interesting. But if y'all don't take nothing else from this, man, I think that was probably, I never even thought of it like that. Because it's always like an either or. It's like either we solve our problems or Joe Biden solves our problems. Let's wait and see what happens. Like, no, even if he can, man. And so that's what I saw is because this dude's making money through Section 8 housing. We live in that Section 8 housing because and we're thinking we're getting the win. Folks get Section 8 and they think they win. And they're like, bro, I got Section 8. It's free. What you talking about? And then what happens is they stay smaller because they can't necessarily grow, which impacts their community. And so now by not growing to solve our problems, we shrink to get their solutions, which then causes them to shrink their kids, which then causes them to, to just it just it creates this perpetuation of us getting smaller and then getting larger. Right. Where the hell is Raphael? No, he was talking that talk. I'm with you. I'm, I'm with, uh, with you 100 percent. Yeah. I'm, you do better trying to solve your own problems. Yeah. I'm, I'm not I'm not waiting for anybody, anybody to save me at this point because. <laughs> Truth be told, whoever we had in office, who has really been, uh, who's really put themselves out there to actually help solve our problems in our in our community, and I can't name one person. Like we've had people that have been propped up to be that you know that savior, you know, in a sense, but in reality, that's never been the case. The way that the government works is they can't really do things just to solve black people problems. Mm-hmm. So I was listening to a podcast 
And uh, it was Don Peebles, and he was talking about how he wanted to raise a fund that was specifically aimed at helping black folks. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you can't say that. You can't say black folks on purpose. You got to use emerging entrepreneurs. And it can't just be it can't just be men. It has to be like everybody. So you have to include everybody because that's where the government works. The government can't show favoritism. They have to yeah. be completely unbiased. They can't be against you, but they also can't be for you. So when Kamala Harris came on there and she said, like, I'm not going to do anything that specifically helps black people only, that's because she can't. The government can't do those things. So the government can't even do the things that you really need them to do. The only people that can do those things is private citizens, because private citizens have the ability in the moment to kind of show some sort of a bias. And so, like, that's why a lot of intelligent communities go private. They would rather have a private school than a public school because they can push their agenda. They can teach their kids what they want with their own private money. So instead of using tax dollars, like if you go into these communities and these wealthy, wealthy communities, they got private security, they got private schools, they got private doctors. My my, When I was working in the family office, he had a concierge doc- doctor, it was a private doctor. He wasn't going to Sydney Kaiser. He's too rich for that. He got his own doctor. He got his own private doctor. And that's where you got to aspire to be is where you control it with your money because you already control. You're already contributing your money anyway. Where the heck is Raphael at, man? What's next for you, brother? <laughs> what's next for me? Uh, man, What's uh, we got a lot of things in the works, man. Right now, I've been focusing on, again, trying to work with more state planning attorneys, uh, diving into on the fingerprinting side. So uh, I'm going to just put it out there into the universe and we're going to put it back to me. So the goal right now is to secure a vendor meeting with a uh, with a nursing home company that needs fingerprinting services to onboard their nurses. So fingerprinting for, uh, for background checks. So. Uh, that's a space that I definitely want to get into. I was inspired by it from a brother that was on uh, uh, Tiger Toledo's podcast. I was listening to a brother that does uh, fingerprinting. I didn't know you can do, uh, you can secure uh, vendor agreements for that for that type of service. So again, that's another B2B service, something I want to um, uh, lock in. Uh, one thing that I've learned over this period as an entrepreneur is, you know, I want predictable and you need predictable income. We need more we need more predictability uh in our line of work so that's what i'm striving for uh, and of course you know we continue to grow the uh the stamping academy if you haven't enrolled if you're a notary watching this you need to enroll in the stamping academy we got over 10 plus hours of pre-recorded sessions on uh whether you want to post deal business or whether you want to book more loan closing if you want to learn how to launch your own notary agency you want to learn how to work with estate planning attorneys you want to learn how to review these documents how to market yourself uh, if you want to learn how to create your own digital product you know, we have that as well. Whether you want to create an ebook, whether you want to create a course, uh, I think we all have you. We have something unique to bring to the table. It's just a matter of just uh, just being confident in yourself and putting putting it out there. Um, I want to be able to, and I've done this already, be able to bring on more instructors. So I want to be able to again back away. Uh, I rather, I much rather be uh, behind the scenes. To be quite honest with you, sort of like uh, like for example, like all money in, right? We know Nip is the face. We know Nip is the face, all money in, right? But behind that, you got Black Sam, you got uh, Adam, right? Uh, Fats, you had all these people that was behind the scenes that was doing the work, right? So I want to be sort of like the, the Black Sam of Stampin' Notary, Stampin' Academy. So you don't even see me, but I got other people I'm putting in position to actually they get this information out there and uh, adding value to the people as well. So that's what we got cooking up. So we got a lot in the works. That's dope, man. How did how does your mind get this way in business? Because I think that's the way that you want. That's if I, I I think that's so dope because that's the way you want to be when mm-hmm. you kind of are behind the scenes. I always tell people like you want to be the platform, not necessarily the, the celebrity performing on the platform. And that's yeah. where you're moving towards. So like, how did you get to this point, man? 
Uh, to be honest, man, I, I wouldn't be able to track it. I think a, a lot of it is like listening to Tweet Talk podcast, listening to a lot of you. Like, bro, I really listen to a lot of your content, you know. So it's like I really got to, you know, highlight you. Like, you really inspiration, like behind a lot of what I do. So it didn't mean just naturally, like, like I'm not a really person I want to be out front anyway. But for the purpose of my business, I'm gonna do what I got to do, right? But um, but yeah, I much rather be behind the scenes because I think that's where the real money is made anyway. Is being behind the scenes as we've seen with um you know like for example like uh uh like we got a sitcom or a movie right like yeah you got the actors that's playing the specific roles right but they're not the ones making the money it's the executive producer it's the one that's yeah. putting the money up behind the movie that's the one that's making the most money right so yeah. like i said i've always wanted to be that person that's behind the scenes i don't want to be out front i'd much rather be the one that's coordinating everything and putting the pieces together so everyone can eat right so yeah, i think that's, that's, that's a common misconception among successful people is like or people who perceive people as successful is they think that like you're supposed to be out there extroverted yeah. on the stage doing all those different things and so when people meet me in person they're like you aren't all those things like you don't talk much you kind of stay to yourself yeah. and it's like i'm not I'm not necessarily in a good place because I'm out there. I'm in a good place because I think a lot yeah. and I read a lot and I listen a lot and I strategize a lot. And so people will meet you in person and like, man, you're not extroverted. You're not like blah, blah, blah. Like, how are we able to do something? It's like, cause I just think. Yeah. And so like, I think that that is the power and understanding as a community that like you do need folks who aren't on stage because a lot of times we only really see somebody who's quote successful unless they are on stage, but we think that they're successful because they're on somebody else's platform. So you're going to see Kevin Hart. You're going to see all these different people. Mm-hmm. And so we start to think, think that success means being famous. Success means being seen. Success means being all those different things. When in fact, the most successful people are the people that are behind the scenes. You don't even know they exist. Yeah. They're just out there just like creating this thing. And so what you're saying falls in line with a lot of what I've been thinking, but it also kind of helps me reconcile why when I go to a place, it's like, I'm not going to be the best speaker on stage. Yeah. But I might be the best thinker on stage. I might be the best thinker in the audience, but I'm not going, man, I'm not charismatic. I'm not this, I'm not that. I'm working on being more of that. And I'm getting to become more of that. But it's just interesting. And I think that's what podcasting allows you to do. That's what social media allows you to do is it allows people who aren't necessarily like super extroverted to still get their thoughts out. Because yeah. if we in person, you're not going to get a lot of my thoughts. But on the internet, you can get all my thoughts. Yeah. And you're going to run these followers up. So I don't think Raphael is coming back, but it was definitely a, a great conversation. If you want to come back on the podcast, you always got a spot on here, what? man. It's, funny. Like, it's like people who like we really rock with, who we've been doing a lot of really cool things with, who we've been seeing doing a lot of really cool things. They always like ask to be on like the podcast. Like, bro, like you had an open invitation the whole time. I just never really put the two pieces together. So yeah. I know people got a lot of value out of this, uh, this conversation. Um, I, I, people really need to tap into just how you've built your business. Like that is if people can get to that point, we would unlock so much opportunity for a lot of people. And a lot of people who are like making decent money in their business can make good money in their business with the same exact skill set, just that they have to rethink what they're doing. So shout out to that. Make sure you guys take note of how how he's built his business. Um, Take note of maybe how you can implement those into your business, whether it be VAs, whatever that looks like, building out an actual agency. People don't expect to come to you and necessarily engage with you. They want to engage with your brand. They don't care who shows up. I mean, they care. But like it's we got to shift our mindset. It's an employee mindset applied to business. We need to be applying a business mindset to your business. Think like a business owner if you're going to be in business. Mm-hmm. Rafael, do you have anything you wanted to add before we head out, or did you have any more tweets you want to go over? 
We can keep it running. No, man. man. I just went back in my laptop tripping. I jump on the phone. <laughs> Nathaniel, tell the people, give the people your name. Let them know where to find you on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever. And let them know you got a course. Yeah, off top. Yeah, y'all can, uh, yeah, the Rafanyo, you can catch me on Instagram. I'm really on damn near every platform, to be honest, these days. Uh, you can catch me <laughs> on Instagram. Uh, make sure you follow Rafanyo, R A F A N Y O. Also, follow the Stampin' Academy. we on Instagram as well. Stamper Notary on Twitter and Stamper Notary on TikTok as well. Uh, if y'all got any questions about starting your notary agency, just getting into the business in general, shoot me a quick DM. I'm not the funny acting type. I pretty much respond to pretty much a large majority of everyone that does reach out to me. Uh, make sure y'all tap in with the Stampin' Academy. Again, we got 10 plus hours of pre recorded sessions on how to launch your notary agency. Uh, how to market to estate planning attorneys, estate uh, planning document reviews. If you want to get into the loan closing side, I'll show you how to build referral partnerships within that industry. Uh, if you want to create your first digital product, I. There oh, he goes. Sure to get Daniel's course. We'll put the, uh, the link in the, the replay. Yes, yes. You definitely gonna have all the links for his information inside the show notes. He just probably dropped them on his phone too. Yeah, here, hey, my phone had died. <laughs> no, my oh. laptop died. My bad, y'all. But yeah, like I was saying, yeah, make sure y'all tap in with the Stampin' Academy. We do weekly live classes. You get access to the resources. You get um, access to me. Again, I'm always uh, make myself available in case you have any questions or any concerns about the courses. And then if you do tap in with the Stampin' Academy, you will get an exclusive invite to the Stampin' community. So you have the opportunity to earn, to learn. Oh, no, excuse me. You'll have the opportunity to earn while you learn, all right? Uh, the great thing about the Stanford community is just not myself that's posting upcoming and available assignments in the group. I actually have students themselves that are actually passing signings in the group as well as other notaries. So uh, I like to look at it as the Amazon market, as the, uh, the, uh, the Amazon of the notary game. It's a marketplace for all notaries to come through. If you need to get some work, if you've been reaching out to these uh, to these specific companies and no one's getting back to you, uh, tap in with the Stanford community. Mm-hmm. Always encourage, uh, I always encourage uh, notaries to... Um, to network with each other because if, again if the clients are not calling you guess who they call right so uh yeah make sure y'all tap in click in the uh well, I, the, the link will be in the show notes make sure y'all tap in with me and if you're also a notary that's looking to uh that's looking to get some business make sure you tap in with the stamper community we are on facebook dope man shout out 24 7 watches i see you rocking that Raphael. yep for sure <laughs> i love it man like- it's so crazy. I would just tell you guys, man, the world needs your value more than your job needs your value. It's just amazing. I mean, 24-7 Watches, I created her LLC. Um, she's a part of the community. Uh, Rafang, we've helped him. Raphael, we've helped him. Every time we go in the world, we find people that we've helped. And to me, that's worth more than any paycheck. To me, that's worth more than any any raise, any promotion where they can't see me. I got to stay small. I got to stay invisible. I knew that like I needed to, I needed to, I was telling somebody, he was like, man, how'd you get into this space? And I was like, I used to work in private banking. I was a financial advisor and all my clients were white folks. And I was like, I needed to figure out a way to like turn my people into my clients. And like, I felt like that's my, my natural market is my people. There's those are going to be the people that are going to gravitate towards me. And if I stay in you guys space, I'm never going to get there. I'm only going to become more of a pawn within you guys system. And so it's cool to see that it's worked. It's also cool to see that we're only five years old. And these come, imagine where we at 
20 years on some Amazon stuff. Like, can you imagine, Raphael? Like, the things that we're working on and collaborating on. Man, we had uh, Constance Carter was in there. She was talking about how she got her own building. I was like, I want my own building now. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I want. She gave us four things that I'm going to leave you guys with. And she said that you got to visualize where you want to be. You got to write it down. You got to speak it. And you got to work it. And the key thing that she said to me, or she said to all of us, was when you're speaking out what you've written down, speak it in affirmation form. So speak it as though you already have it. So we have these affirmations and I always try to find good affirmations. I always try to find good information, but like that gave me permission to make my goals, my affirmations. And so like that was really powerful to me. Hopefully you guys get some value from that statement and we're going to get this building. We're going to have Raphael, you have his own office in there, you know, <clears throat> we're building everything and everybody comes when we build and you know, what's going to happen crazy when we build these things. Other folks going to do the same thing. They'd be like, I could do that too. I can make that pop too. And then you're going to mess around and just have this amazing black wealth renaissance that we've been seeing that we can't let die just because we got a different person in office. We still got to continue the same energy. We still got to grow the same energy and we can't let it stop um, just because people think that we got to reprieve. So take us out, Raphael. Yep, yep, yep. Be sure to follow us. In fact, first of all, if you watch this on YouTube for sure, subscribe subscribe to the youtube be right sure to follow, follow us on twitter at tweet talk pod at tweet talk pod follow myself on twitter at work money life follow charles on twitter at real todd billion uh follow us on instagram at tweet talk podcast follow charles on instagram at todd billion and also the parent company at todd.capital and i'm gonna leave you for one last tweet from our guests Stamper Notary is dope to help people make money, fam. <laughs> Facts. Facts. For episode 133 of Tweet Talk the Black Web Podcast, I'm your host, Raphael, with my co-host, Charles. We are out of here. Yes, this is Donald, the voice, the official podcast editor and producer of the Tweet Talk Podcast, featuring, of course, Charles Oglesby and the man, Raphael Husbands. And look, man, if you just listen to this episode, then you know exactly what I'm capable of. You know my swag. You know what I can do. And so without any further ado, I kind of want to give you a special offer for Tweet Talk Podcast episode listeners. And here's what it is. Head on over to DonaldTheVoice.com. And if you have podcasts or video editing needs, let's talk. And of course, I'm give you a real, real nice deal. But you have to mention that you're a Tweet Talk podcast listener. And this offer isn't going to last forever. So if you're on social media or you have a business or you got something going on to where you need somebody to edit and produce your content, come and holla at your boy. And I promise to take care of you, our dedicated listener to the Tweet Talk podcast. Again, head over to DonaldTheVoice.com and hit the contact page and let's have a little conversation. Okay, back to your day, your evening, your morning, whatever's going on. Peace.